me tell you a joke. Why do cemeteries have walls? Because people are dying to get in. <laughs> That's Pepper, a robot specifically programmed for geriatric care at nursing homes. Pepper can tell jokes, play games, and perform reminiscence therapy on dementia patients. The pandemic has had a major impact on geriatric care, specifically nursing homes. It's illuminated cracks in a system that's been broken for decades. One major issue is inadequate staffing. According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, roughly 420,000 nursing home employees left their jobs since February 2020. Now some are wondering if robots like Pepper could be the answer to staffing shortages while increasing residents' quality of life. We'll get into that and more after the break. I'm Jen White. You're listening to the 1A Podcast, where we get to the heart of the story. Remember to join future conversations, download our 1A Vox Pop app, and leave us a voicemail. This message comes from NPR sponsor, BetterHelp. Life can be overwhelming, and many are burned out without even knowing it. Struggling with work or any of life's roles can lead to a lack of motivation and detachment. Prioritize your mental health by talking with someone. BetterHelp Online Therapy offers video, phone, and live chat sessions with a professional therapist, and it's more affordable than in-person therapy. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash 1A. Let's jump into the conversation. Joining us now is Arshia Khan. She's a professor of computer science at the University of Minnesota at Duluth. She also has a doctorate in information technology. Arshia, welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Now, you program robots for geriatric care specifically. When did the idea of using robotics in this way first enter your radar? Gosh, almost a decade ago, I would say. And what sparked it? Um, My dad was uh, sick and he was dying of congestive heart failure. Mm -hmm. And my mom was struggling to take care of him. And that's when I realized it would be nice to have somebody that could help, you know, like helping him get out of bed and caring for him, monitoring him. That's when it occurred to me that this kind of help would be useful. Here's a message we got from Lisa in Oregon. I'm calling in regard to the idea of having bots with the elderly, which I think would be a fabulous help. I have my own mother in a situation at the elderly facility. She's very lonely. She's recently gone blind and is having a very, very difficult time transitioning. And there is just not enough staff on site to help her. She's very scared. I worry for her and I cannot be close enough at all times. So I think the idea of having bots would be a really great new transition in our um, in our society. Lisa, thanks for that message. Arshia, we mentioned at the top that staffing shortages at nursing homes have become especially acute during the pandemic. What can your robots do for residents in terms of day-to-day care? The, the thing is, with robotics, there is so much that we can do. But currently, technology is limited, so we can actually target the cognition, emotion, and physiological perspectives. And we can help them uh, from... Um, from that perspective and try to improve their socialization skills so that they can socialize more, help them just feel comfortable, help them maintain their quality of life, um, use 
robotics in combination with sensors. And actually, um, I call it, um, um, you know, more, more of, you know, trying to think about it from a perspective of how, how do I prevent this from happening rather than reacting to something that has happened, you know? So more of a proactive approach. And that's what I'm working towards, combining robotics with sensors. So the data from the sensors can be fed to the robots and the robot would react to that data and interact with the resident, elderly, or whoever needs help. Can you give us a, just a concrete example of what that would look like in practice? Yeah, so let's say, you know, uh, sundowning, for instance, you know, that, that is a big problem, right? As the sun starts to set, you know, residents in the nursing homes, they start getting restless because they know the staff is going to um, go down, the number of people and their activities are going to go down. So what they start to do is they start to act out. But what we can do is offer them robots that can perform activities with them, that can play chess, that can play tic-tac-toe with them, can stand there and just tell them jokes, just be funny with them, you know. Um, and it appears that, you know, from what I have been looking at, um, the elderly seem to be more trusting of the robots than human beings because they feel like, you know, uh, they can talk to the robot and the robot is not going to judge them. Are the robots able at this stage in the technology to provide physical assistance as well? Not yet. There are certain kinds of, you know, robots that are delivering food, but it's more like, you know, a tray that is attached to a robot that is good at navigation. Now, the Minnesota Department of Human Services gave your team $2 million to roll out robots to nursing homes across the state. How are you planning to use that money? So one other thing that I'm very passionate about is encouraging women in computing. So I have uh, hired six RAs, and all of them are women. And they are working on this project. And it's most of the funding is going towards the hardware and the students working on this project. And you so, used a term there, RA, what is that? Research assistant. Research assistant, thank you. And how much do these robots cost? Are they expensive? They are very expensive, yes. So roughly, yes. we're gonna to talk to Paprika later in the hour about how much would Paprika cost? So as of right now, Paprika costs 38,000, wow. most recent uh, price. Arsha, your robots are also designed, as you said, to be social companions for residents. What did you hear from residents about what they wanted in a companion? They, they want somebody they can just socialize with, sit and chat, just talk to somebody. They're very lonely. And of course, their family members are able to visit them, but not every day, not all the time. So they are feeling very lonely, and it would be wonderful for them to have somebody by their side all the time. Uh, the other request that I got was they wanted stand-up comedy. <laughs> stand-up comedy. Any specific yes. type? Yes, a specific type of dirty jokes. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you go about programming a robot to have a, a, a realistic conversation with someone? Because 
as you know, a human being, I know conversations can be erratic. They can be unexpected. You know, they go off in un- unexpected directions. How do you program a robot to respond to that? Yeah, so my research is in mostly in three areas of artificial intelligence. One is uh, natural language. We are trying to make her more uh, autonomous in speech. We are trying to make her more autonomous in navigation and more autonomous in reactions. So the reaction autonomous part will come from the census data. So as she gets that data, we program her to learn from that data and react to that data. And what are the sensors tracking exactly? Uh, The physiological data from the participants and their movement data. We don't use cameras. We use infrared cameras and such such so that we, for privacy issues. And um, so we are able to track a lot of their stuff. And um, so before, let's say, you know, somebody has um, um, BPSD episode issue. So what we can do is uh, monitor them and learn at what physiological status they have that episode. And before they get to that, we can inform the clinician, we can inform the caregivers and say, okay, you know, given this person's pattern, within a few hours, this person is going to be having an episode. So somebody can be more proactive and react to that and take care of it before the person actually has the episode. And by BPSD, you mean behavioral and psychological symptoms of dementia. So tracking their physiological signs to say, oh, this person is becoming agitated and then having the robot respond. Now we're hearing some chirping in the background because right now you're sitting next to one of the robots you programmed named Paprika. And first off, just describe what Paprika looks like. Paprika looks just like Pepper the robot. They're all the same. We just give them different names and we sort of uh, have, you know, developed personalities towards those. <laughs> They're all the same mechanically, but, you know. Okay, so we don't, we don't have an image of Pepper either. So just, are they big? Are they small? Are they round? Uh, yeah. Oh, they, they, they are four foot tall, and they have like a skirt-like bottom, and they've got three wheels under that, and that helps them move around. Uh, They've got a tablet on their chest, and the face is very cute, more cartoon-like. It's uh, a humanoid robot with arms, and the head and the neck moves. My nickname is Paprika. (laughs) Well, Paprika (laughs) sounds like they want to join the conversation, and I do want us to get a sense of what it's like to talk with one of your robots. So, Arshia, go ahead, have a conversation. Uh, So, I'm going to make her tell some jokes. Okay, you know? keep them clean, Arshia. This is this is live radio. <laughs> <laughs> I will do my best. I hope she behaves. <laughs> um, so, hello, professor. How are you doing? Good. You look happy today. You know what? I know a lot of jokes. Let me tell you some. Okay. Okay. So, I asked the kids in my nursery school class what they needed in order to grow up nice and strong. One little girl answered, birthdays. I just made up another one. Listen, the pony couldn't sing because it was a little horse. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to hear more? Sure. Sounds good. 
A man inserted an advertisement in the classifieds, Wife Wanted. Next day, he received a hundred letters. They all said the same thing. You can have mine. <laughs> Would you like to hear more? No. Okay. Have a wonderful day. Goodbye. Okay. Thank you. Uh, that, I have to say, this is, it, it was reminiscent of some of the... <laughs> Some of the joke telling sessions I have with with my very young nieces and nephews when they so their their jokes don't always have direct punchlines, but we should say that was Arshia Khan speaking with one of the robots she programmed. I want to bring another voice into the conversation. Joining us now is Alexis Elder. She's a philosophy professor at the University of Minnesota at Duluth, whose work focuses on the intersection of technology and ethics. Alexis, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Let's go to this voicemail we got from Raven in Bel Air, Maryland. My grandma's in a nursing home and she raised me and I wish she wasn't there. We need a new structure in society that will let us take care of our elderly instead of throw them away where they don't have their family, where they don't have their loved ones, where they get seldom any visits. It's really wrong that we're even thinking about having robots in nursing homes. That is taking all the human out of the care for these people that should be in our lives and in our own homes. Our society is so broken that we can't even take care of the people who took care of us. This really is troubling to hear. I don't think we should be even considering this as a factor. We should be trying to deconstruct the system of nursing homes that places our loved ones away from us and out of our hands. Raven, thanks for that voicemail. Now, Alexis, you've worked with Arshia on the development of these robots, and we hear a concern there from Raven. What are some of the main ethical considerations you've weighed through the process? Great question. So, one of the things that sort of got me into social robotics and companionate robotics to begin with um, is my background is actually in philosophy of friendship and thinking about interpersonal relationships um, and their significance for um, our, our quality of life and our ability to live good lives on our own terms. Uh, and there's been a kind of long running concern that was nicely articulated by that listener that in some sense addressing loneliness with social robotics is just band-aids on the solution, right? If the problem is that old people are not integrated into society, um, making them feel as if they've got companionship when they're still isolated and just being you know, entertained or soothed by technology isn't really solving the root of the problem. So I sort of came into this um, through that lens, uh, but at the same time recognizing that there, there are real um, challenges to caring for the elderly, as a number of previous listeners have, have alluded to, and that ideally we want to find ways to use robots to support human connection um, rather than substitute for it. So that's kind of my lens coming into this, is how can we use these robots um, not just to sort of plug in a gap in current nursing home care, and I think this is an important issue in technology ethics generally, is not trying to um, merely put a Band-Aid on a, a sort of broken structure but think about how they can be fitted into um, ongoing social changes that can help make everyone better off in the long run. Alexis, a 2013 study from the London publication Nursing Older People found that human touch was the most important nonverbal behavior in the nursing profession when treating older patients. How concerned are you that, that feeling a staffing void with robots could actually increase resident loneliness in the long term? I think it's a very real concern and something that we should keep an eye on. Um, I mean, the, the saying that the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions is 
something I think we need to keep in mind as we work with technologies. Um, there's a worry that basically we, we, we're at kind of a moment of choice. So we can use robots in ways that supplement existing human care and maybe even um, through sort of thoughtful automation can increase human um, availability to spend time, uh, especially in quality interactions with seniors. But at the same time, there's a very real risk that if we automate away even sort of trivial tasks, so the, the janitor gets replaced by a Roomba, that's one less point of contact for a, a lonely resident. Um, and so overall, by automating these little pieces that look like they're not important, we're just reducing overall care. So I think it's important to keep these, these concerns in mind um, and have it as an explicit goal that in the long term, we're interested in maximizing social connection for the elderly and finding ways to use robots to support that rather than um, let that sort of piecemeal replacement take place because each individual decision is going to look rational um, mm -hmm. in the short term. Here's the message we got from Bob in Pembroke, New Hampshire. I had a mother in a nursing home until her death from COVID in 2020, and a father-in-law is currently in a nursing home. And the idea of robots in nursing homes uh, is both worrisome and has some opportunities um, for addressing some of the current problems, I think. One of the things I'd love it if it was able to record people's statuses, would record potential injuries, uh, how well they're eating. Uh, I also think that there's a lot of opportunity for kind of abuse or neglect. Bob, thanks for sharing that with us. So we hear Bob really looking at this from two different directions. Speaking to his first point, Arshia, how well are your robots able to record the kind of data Bob mentioned? Very well. That that's the that's the thing we are able to track so many different uh, data points and be able to uh, maintain the quality of life. That is the eventual goal of trying to maintain the quality of life, if not improving it. Um, so Bob brings out really good points, you know, both positive and negative. So. Now, Alexis, to his to the other side of his question. But part of what I'm I'm gleaning is that it's not just about putting the bots into these situations and, and teaching them how to interact with residents. The the staff around them also have to understand the role that bot plays and the role it doesn't play and how they need to interact with the technology as well. So how are you thinking through that piece of the puzzle? So one of the things um, that really fascinates me as we start talking about really specific design decisions is figuring out how to speak to the needs of the many different stakeholders in a nursing caregiving environment. So we have family members who um, would like to be there more than they can, maybe would like access to more information, would like more uh, involvement in decision-making or caretaking. And um, we have residents themselves and we have uh, professional caregiving staff, medical providers, et cetera. And sometimes what they want um, isn't uniform. So the patient might value more privacy, even if that makes it um, harder for caregivers or for family members to keep tabs on them. Um, professional providers might value efficiency in ways where family and individuals might prefer more um, you know, individualized care. So this ends up being a question is it's not necessarily just about what do we do um, with a given piece of pre-design technology, but how do we design for these different needs and hear all these different voices and concerns? Um, so that, that to me is just a really interesting piece of the puzzle is figuring out what are um, caregivers interested in? What do 
um, professional staff value and how can we help um, mediate these different and sometimes conflicting concerns and what that looks like, you know, varies depending on the case and the situation. But I think just having these conversations and being explicit about the fact that, like, we have the technology to record lots of data, but how is it stored? Who has access to it? Um, who can turn off a switch? Who understands um, what a camera is or a microphone or um, LIDAR or blood pressure? Or, like, there's so many different concerns here and understands what's being done with the data that... I think having open conversations is going to be critical as we continue these developments. And it's one reason I'm really appreciative that uh, Arshia has been so welcoming to uh, convergence like me showing up and <laughs> asking <laughs> difficult questions without clear answers. Well, we also got a lot of questions about privacy, including this one from Miriam, who says, do these robots have the security safeguards to prevent hackers from reprogramming the software to manipulate the vulnerable? Arshia, what can you tell us? Uh, we are working very hard on that. That is a big concern, and we do take that seriously. And uh, we have private no networks that these robots work on um, that are protected. So, yes, that is a genuine concern. And we also anonymize the data. So even if they have access to the data, they do not know whose data it is. We're discussing robots in nursing homes. We'll be back with more from you and our guests in just a moment. A reminder to have your questions answered on future topics or just to let us know what you think. Tweet us at 1A. Now let's continue our conversation about using robots in elder care. Here's Jen in Chicago. I'm an occupational therapist who has experience in assisted living homes through home care. And I wanted to comment on the nursing home robots. I would say that I think it's a really promising concept. There are, of course, a lot of concerns that we have, especially about something that is so new to our field. But even just a robot that could help nursing aides, nurses, and other healthcare providers do transfers safely would be wonderful. Many clients who are in long-term care, assisted living, have some needs in which you need two people to move it. So even having a robot for some of those um, more challenging transfers would be wonderful. Well, let's bring another voice into the conversation. Joining us now is Kim Gaskell. She's the executive director of Riverwoods Durham in New Hampshire. That's a not-for-profit retirement community that offers independent living, assisted living, and nursing care. Kim, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me. So at Riverwoods, residents who are living independently have gotten a glimpse into life with robots. There's a canister-shaped robot named Rosie, who serves them food in the dining room and also buses tables. Why did you decide to invest in this technology? Sure. So, you know, listening in on the previous conversations here focused a lot on sort of those negative stigmas in, in nursing homes. We are a CCRC, so a little bit different where we have that independent living component, and it really is more community-based. Um, but one of the challenges that, that we are experiencing, like so many others, is sort of that great resignation or the, the workforce. So we began to look for how to implement and utilize robotics or other technology to help us compete with some of those staffing challenges. How much does Rosie cost, not, not just to purchase, but also to maintain? So there was an initial purchasing fee for Rosie, and then we do pay a monthly subscription or hosting fee to have her in the community. Um, and really what we're hoping is that 
the ability to decrease our staffing levels will then absorb any of those monthly costs that we have. Our goal with that is, you know, as she moves throughout the dining room and she's serving food or able to bus tables, that would help us to eliminate or reduce the numbers of servers needed. And roughly, can you give us an idea of how much Rosie costs? Um, she's about 10000 for the initial investment. And I want to say on a monthly basis right now, she is about 1500 Now, Arshia, Rosie isn't one of the robots you work with, but more broadly at this stage in the technology, how are you trying to educate people in geriatric care and at resident facilities about what it would look like to incorporate robots? Taking the robots to the nursing homes and doing demos really helps. So they can see in reality how how the robot can interact with the residents, how they react. So there's both positive and negative reactions, you know. Um, Some of them are super excited. They're like, oh, my gosh, I'll have somebody I can befriend, you know. And then the others are like, take that thing away from here. I don't want it next to me. Um, So I think exposing them, I think getting them used to the idea that, you know, this could help you a little bit, you know, so that you can have a better interaction with your caregiver. Kim, how have residents at Riverwoods reacted to Rosie? They have taken to her so well. Um, And that's, you know, Arsha, as you were talking, what I kept thinking of was just sort of, it's another spark of joy that it brings. Um, Our residents were very open to us trying this. And like you said, having some demos and it's become sort of a neat feature. And as we're talking with our residents more about implementing and leveraging technology within our community, it's sort of this perfect everyday example to see how that's working. And it's become kind of a, a cool talking point too. As our community started to reopen and allow visitors and guests and family back in, you know, that's something that now they're really proud of and excited about to show off. You know, look at us. We have a robot in our in our dining room. Um, and I've heard a lot of residents say, this is something that growing up, you always thought, oh, when we have robots or, and they never thought they'd actually see that. So it's something really exciting for the community to just rally around together and, and be excited for. And, and can residents have a conversation with Rosie Kim? They cannot. So our um, her technology does not allow the conversation. Um, but from a staffing perspective, I mean, she shows up on time. She never calls out. Um, and when she delivers your food, she does tell you to enjoy it. So there's just that little bit of one-way communication there. Well, we're hearing from lots of you this hour. Amy tweeted, I understand the listeners who are concerned about losing the human touch, but there are many Americans who are the last of their family and will have no children or grandchildren to take care of them in the end. I find this change hopeful. But David emailed this, nursing homes nationwide are mostly controlled by corporate interests whose primary interest is money. Robots would only be one more step in profitizing and therefore further dehumanizing the places which should require the most human touch. Kim, I know Riverwoods is a a not-for-profit organization, but I'm curious whether or not that's a question you had to grapple with internally, but also in the way you talked about bringing a robot into uh, residents and into their families. Sure. 
And that is something um, we've definitely heard from people. Well, what if you lose that human touch? Or we, particularly our residents, many of our dining room servers are high school students. Um, and so I think there's a lot of connections that are formed there within the community. You know, the residents will ask them how they're doing in school and, you know, how was the prom? That's that's this week for our, our students. But really what we're trying to show is we're actually trying to provide more service to you in the servers that we have. If we can eliminate the overall number of servers needed, um, and as Rosie is delivering these meals, she might be able to sort of manage a broader group of tables, let's say, where residents are dining. So that would allow our servers to actually have a little bit more personal conversation and connection. So for us, that really wasn't an enormous factor, but I can see how, you know, some others would think that. We got this tweet from Darcy who says, I was a certified nurse aide in an Alzheimer's unit for three and a half years and found true fulfillment from providing quality care and developing relationships with residents. I always wished I could give more to each person. Bots joining the team could ease staff frustrations and free up staff to give their best. Kim, now that Rosie has been rolled out for independent residents, are you considering incorporating bots into your assisted living and nursing home facilities? Absolutely. And, you know, listening to this conversation and the tweet that you just shared, I think that hits on such an important component of this, that our direct caregivers, they're in this because that is what they they find passion doing and, and strengthening the community that way. And imagine if you are a family member, you know, if, if we could ease the apprehension that people are having around bots, you know, imagine where your loved ones are cared for more and, and our CNAs and LNAs have more dedicated time to spend with those social connections and interactions because some of the task-related parts of their job are handled by robotics. That's where I see us getting to is finding ways to incorporate that into our assisted living, our memory support, and nursing level care. Um, and, and this conversation has been great to be a part of just to hear that others are doing what we're we're thinking of too. You know, Alexis, as robot technology evolves and becomes more incorporated into different sectors, are you also thinking about what that could mean for the job market? I am. Uh, and I think this is, this is an ongoing question that nobody's got a great answer for. Um, but thinking about, there's something called the, the automation paradox where um, as uh, an industry gets more and more automated and the number of workers go down, the, re- the remaining folks often appreciate all the help and can find it uh, more enjoyable, but it becomes harder to, to occupy that, that role. Um, and again, we're, we're dealing with kind of a moving target in terms of technology. Right now, we're talking about filling in fairly limited specialized tasks, whether it's busing tables um, or telling jokes. But as the technology develops, we, we, I think we have to ask these questions. Um, and... Again, I, I think keeping the the issues on the table, and that's one reason I think I, I appreciate Kim just being straightforward about the financial benefits of like reducing staffing. Like that's a very um, real concern and that it may be worth it in the long run, but I think in order to make that kind of assessment about worth, we need to be clear about what the trade-offs are going to be. And one just is automating even simple tasks is a way of reducing total number um, of of employees. Arshia, just as we wrap up here, when you think about the future of this technology, what's one thing you really want to be able to program a robot to do briefly? Um, I, I think be the best companion 
bring out the best in the residents, improving their quality of life and making sure they are not feeling like, you know, they've been thrown to the dogs because some of them have said that, you know, we feel like we've been thrown out of the house when we are in the uh, nursing home facilities. We feel like nobody cares for us and we, we don't want them to feel that way. I think just making them feel like they are wanted, they are cared for, will help improve their quality of life, will help improve their perspective on how they look at the world. And I think that will help improve their health as well. That's Arshia Khan. She's a professor of computer science at the University of Minnesota at Duluth. She also has a doctorate in information technology. Also with us was Alexis Elder, a philosophy professor at the University of Minnesota at Duluth, whose work focuses on the intersection of technology and ethics. She also has a doctorate in philosophy. And Kim Gaskell, the executive director of Riverwoods Durham in New Hampshire. That's a not-for-profit retirement community that offers independent living, assisted living, and nursing care. Arshia, Alexis, Kim, thanks for your time. Today's producer was Katherine Fink. This program comes to you from WAMU, part of American University in Washington, distributed by NPR. I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk more soon. This is 1A.